I'm amazed at how much people don't know about cars. It just blows my mind. The car doctor. Here's the question I think you should pose to the Chrysler dealer. If you made an appointment to go in and pay them to update your GPS, could they do it? Would they do it? And how would they do it? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, start your engines. Ronnie and the car doctor here, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Car doctor, 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. Don't forget to get out to cardoctorshow.com. And uh, check us out out there, podcasting available through Spreaker.com. You can find the link at CarDoctorShow.com. And if you happen to, venture out to Facebook. We're out there once in a while, and I've been known to stop by and, you know, maybe answer a few questions. But I spend the majority of my time in the shop, or I spend the majority of my time here talking to you about your car. So let's get into it face-to-face over the phone, as it were. I want to talk about, and I had this little, you know, I've got these little yellow post-it notes up here that um, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking in Mikey, my new board op, and uh, I haven't killed him yet in three weeks. And um, I'm trying to explain radio to him, although he knows quite a bit about radio. But I try to show him how in a moment of panic, he had to be able to reach up and grab the yellow note and go, boom, something to talk about. Because I've explained to him, some, somehow on radio, sound is a very important thing, because otherwise it would sound like this. And that doesn't really sound good. So I want to talk to you about the ex-husband, the flat tire, and the 2015 Toyota. Gee, where could this story be going? Uh, about a week ago, customer came into the shop, first-time customer, actually second-time customer. I'd seen the car for an oil change back over the summer, and um, it, it showed up. And, you know, here she was, this this, 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 this nice lady. Um, she was a nurse. I could tell by the nurse's uniform, and the, those, those nice white shoes that they get to wear. And... Um, you know, she had a flat tire in her 2015 Toyota RAV, and she's driving around on the spare, and um, I'm not sure if it was her father or her boyfriend or both uh, that came to help her, but, um, you know, he it was a whole conversation about a lot of things. Um, you couldn't understand why at quarter to eight on a Monday I wasn't, like, coming in the door screaming ready to go, like, dude, let me get in the door and wake up, would you please? So, you know, I get this tire, and she leaves, and um, I've got to fix it is, is the gist of it. It's It's this flat tire. And I notice in the sidewall as I'm fixing the tire, there's these very fine, for lack of a better way to put it, fillet cuts. You know, like you'd, you'd fillet a piece of fish or you'd fillet a steak like a butterfly cut. Very, very fine right, right through the sidewall. And I said, boy, that's kind of weird. They're just like somebody purposely came up and, you know, what, what are we doing here? So I fixed the tire. It wasn't through the casing. It wasn't structural. Uh, it was just it was just enough of that it just kind of made you wonder. Fixed the tire, did a quill patch from the inside, mounted, balanced, you know, all set, ready to go. She came by in the afternoon to pick it up, and I put it on the car for her, and we were talking. And I, I showed her the cuts, and she looked at them, and she said, and it was something along the lines of, I wonder if he would do that. And I was like, if who would do what? 
Uh, and I kind of knew what was coming. She says, well, my ex-husband, but I moved here to get away from him. Okay, then. Uh, you know, gee willikers, like, uh, you know. Um, I said, oh, that wasn't your husband? No, that was my boyfriend. So I found out that was her boyfriend. Um, so, gee, America, where's this going, right? You know, it's, um, and she said, well, why would he put slashes in the, why would he try to slash my tires? Now, come on. Can't we all understand this? You know, I told her, I said, he's going to slash the tires. You're going to get a flat. You're going to be upset. You're going to have to call him, and he'll come and rescue you and rekindle the romance. And she just looked at me. She's like, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. That's the way I, I know a half a dozen guys that think like that. I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying that's how they think because they're morons. But, you know, it is what it is. But that's that's what happens. Um, so I explained everything to her. We looked at the tires and uh, the rest of her tires, and they're okay. And we're going to keep an eye on that tire for her. But, I mean, that was my, you know. The, 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 the 2015 Toyota, the flat tire, and the ex-husband. Like, holy cow, how does this all come together? Boy, the turning point in that story was where she said, yeah, my ex-husband. And I went, boing, we have a winner. Now I know how this all came to be. Anyhow, you, I am... You mean we can't do that to your tires? No, I've watched you. Um, I watch you all the time. So, uh, you know, besides, you have to take care of me. I'm talent. Ha, ha, ha. Um, you know. That's the perfect reason to do that to your tires. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know... We were talking about it before about you know the, the mystique of talent, right? And uh, sometimes that's a better way to do it. I I I tell you what, I go out. I don't talk a lot in public because somebody goes, you, you know, you see their head pick up. You're at the diner. I got to tell you, I go to see my friend Georgie at the diner here in Paramus. I love Georgie, but I hate Georgie because as every time I go in, I'm sitting there having dinner, and somebody starts talking about a car and a car problem. Guess who's here having dinner with us? Not George. Shh, George. Shh, George. Cut it out. Cut it out, George. No, George, don't. Do, do you know who he is? George, I'm not here. Cut it out, all right? <sighs> anyway, let's go fix some cars. Roman in New Jersey, 06 Dodge Ram. What's going on, Roman? How can I help you? Yes, hello. Um, I got a question. I have a 2006 Dodge Ram 2500 okay. with a 5.7 Hemi on it, right. uh, 365,000 miles. Right. And... Um, I, I know I'm going to fail inspection. At least I think I do. Right. Because on my OBD code reader, it says catalyst not ready and O2 sensor uh, not ready. Correct. You will fail because in 06, I believe it started beginning in 2001 model year, you can only have one or less, uh, well, one monitor not complete. All the rest of them have to be complete. How long have you been driving it like that? At least a thousand miles, couple of weeks, and it's it's not it's constantly not ready. I oh, don't know so, why. So let me ask you and this: There's no uh, no codes, okay. uh, no OBD two codes. There's some other codes, but I don't know if they mean anything. Well, well, let's back up. So, did you did you clear codes, or did it have a dead battery? Yeah, you know what? I changed the fuel pump, and I believe the battery was disconnected. And okay, so it hasn't set. Um, what sort of driving do you do? Mainly highway. You know, I'm a contractor, so right. something like so, it is. So when you're on the highway, how fast do you go? I like to go fast, you know, 75, yeah. uh, 80. Okay. So here's what I want you to do, all right? Um, does that scan tool display data? Yeah, I, I have one that does, yeah. All right. So we want to make sure this thing comes up to temperature, all right? From a cold start, all right, you want to make sure that this comes up to operating temperature within seven to eight minutes. I'll give you a little bit longer this time of year. And then, you know, 55 miles an hour is the limit. 
All right, fifty-five, wow. fifty-eight. Yeah, if, if you're, yeah. Well, listen, I didn't say this was going to be easy. You, you know, okay. You want to be an auto mechanic? Welcome to my world. So you okay. know, you can be the guy out on Route 17 in North Jersey, like me, and just sit at the cruise control at 58 and just try not to get hit by all the 18 wheelers doing 75. Uh, you know, and let's cruise. Let's cruise for you know 18 to 20 minutes. But the the the, the test conditions to run the cat monitor. Our coolant temp's got to be at least 125 degrees, all right? You've got to accelerate and drive a steady speed for 5 to 10 minutes without braking, somewhere between 25 and 45. My experience, I run 52 to 55 on those cars, and I will generally get the cap monitor to go within a 12 to 15-minute time frame. All right? I've learned to, I've learned to put the, the cruise. Do you have cruise control in the truck? Yes. Put cruise on. And the okay. reason the reason I say that is because uh, you know we're not as smooth as the machine, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. And at cruise control, it will a cruise control doesn't allow for you know sudden acceleration and 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 deacceleration. It's a controlled con- it's a controlled control of the vehicle, if I can say it that way. Okay. So you know, 52, 55, 58, somewhere in that time frame. And just watch them and see see where it comes up. Now the other codes that you're getting, what when you say other codes, what are they? Yeah, you know what? I put the code reader on, then I had to update it, and I think that code reader was making it go crazy because when I had it in, it, the uh, ABS would start blinking in the brake. Then as I as I took it out, I would turn the car off. Yeah, well, without that's... the tool there, and then it would be normal. But I had a U zero zero one nine. All right, communication faults. D210D. Yeah, you and a U0184. Yeah, don't worry P1684. about it. Yeah, yeah. For the purposes of this conversation, you fault codes are communication related. Um, I have seen aftermarket scan tools. Heck, I've seen, you know, uh, major line different versions of snap-ons and OTCs and launch all cause communication faults too. So I wouldn't I wouldn't take that okay. to heart. So the key is that for either O2 or cat monitor, it's critical for temperature. It's critical for steady speed. Uh, I've never seen a cat monitor run on the majority of vehicles that I've tested. Anything over 60, 65 miles an hour, no go. All right? Because... Well, you know what? I'm almost always over that. That's yeah, so that's that's probably a good portion of the problem. So slow down a little. Find a quiet stretch yeah. of road, and, yeah, and, and I know yeah. it's hard. Well, another thing that I noticed, uh, that, that, you know, the hose from the uh, P, PCV valve right. that goes to the airbox, that was off. I don't know how it fell off or whatever. I put that back on. Yeah, it's dry, it's, to it's, do it no, not likely. It's dry rotted and cracked. So just get a new one and put it, you know, put it back together. But uh, let's let's try let's try casual driving. the the most The most critical measurement here is engine temperature is going to be the biggest uh, biggest uh, common uh, denominator here to get this thing up to speed. And so. that has to be just over one twenty five. Well, it starts. It starts. It starts. The pre test condition begins um, when it hits one hundred and twenty five. All right, and then from there on in, they're looking for a gradual increase in temperature. They're looking for a steady state of driving, and they're looking for no jackrabbit acceleration or deacceleration. And they're looking for a set time speed. So, and why are why are those two sensors not ready? Does one have as soon as one will get ready, the other one will do, or one has nothing to do with the? Well, no, they both actually have something to do with each other. The catalytic converter. Think of how the computer's operating. The 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 oxygen sensor is before and after the cat, and an oxygen sensor measures oxygen. It measures how much oxygen is left in the exhaust after the combustion process. If 
before the cat before the catalytic converter, it's seeing it's seeing eighty percent oxygen. What comes out the other side, or fifty percent oxygen? What comes out the other side? If fifty percent oxygen is going in, and it only sees. 20% coming out, it knows it's a good cat. It's got oxygen storage capacity. A catalytic converter has to store oxygen to have the catalytic reaction for combustion to take place for, for cleaning up the, the exhaust. If it sees 50% going in, 50% coming out, it says, wait a minute, and that's when you get the dreaded P0420 code, the, the catalytic converter efficiency fault, because the cat's not being efficient. It's looking at the O2 sensors to tell is the system capable of being tested? It looks at O2s to tell if the cat's any good. That's why the both of those are tied together. Chances are you get the O2 to pass, the cat will go on its own or vice versa. I've seen Chrysler do it both ways. It doesn't make sense to me. It makes sense to me that O2 should go first and then cat. I've had it go the other way where cat goes first and then O2. But either way, it's still critical for temperature, driving conditions, and steady speed. i got to go... I'm Roman, I'm up Thank against the clock. Much. You try that, you call me back if that doesn't work. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, at your service right after this. Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Annie and the car doctor. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Doesn't Tom do a great job announcing that number? I tell you, the guy's a genius. He could just have—he could have a career on radio. He voice really of an angel. It. He's a voice of an angel. He really is. He's just—he's superb. What did I get on the humble meter, Michael? Did I get like a—did I get like a three? I'd give you a three, three point five. Okay, just you know, got to be nice to Tom. After all, you know, he's the only Tom we got. <clears throat> Don't tell him I was saying nice things about him. Let's get on over and talk to Ed in Salem, New Jersey, eighteen Volkswagen. And some questions about viscosity. Hey, Ed, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Right. Uh, actually, it's Fairlawn, New Jersey. Okay. Um, I, have, uh, I have a 2018 Tiguan. But my question is, it's, uh, who benefits the most from the lower viscosity motor oils? Originally, the car had a recall and changed from Volkswagen Standard 504 to Volkswagen Standard 508. It went from 5W40 oil to 0W20 oil. I understand that Volkswagen gets the benefit by the uh, higher cafe, and I get a slight benefit from higher fuel mileage, but is there any downside to this for me, the consumer? I don't think so, and I understand your question because your concern is you're more concerned with you know protecting the engine than worrying about Volkswagen lining their pockets with a, with a higher cafe rating. I get that. I, you know, Ed, in, in recent years, I've done a lot of reading about oil viscosity and oil requirements, and there there is probably I've got to say oil viscosity or how oil guidelines are met is probably one of the biggest question marks in the industry. There, There's more being written about it every day. To the level that, and I truly believe this, I wonder if anybody is really getting correct oil for their engine unless they're using the exact spec oil from the manufacturer, which is just impossible. I don't see how anybody could do it. Uh, you know, simply simply put, it's not able to be distributed. I don't think Volkswagen can produce enough oil to meet all the Volkswagens on the road and Ford and Chrysler and GM and so on. So I, I just I really wonder about 
things like you're thinking. You know, what's the what's what's the end game here? What are they really trying to accomplish? Um, I, I'm more a fan of. I listen to what the manufacturer has to say. Zero twenty has come a long way. If they're telling you zero twenty, because here's the rub: if they're telling you zero twenty and you continue to use five forty and you're using the dealer to do the service work, or you're using an outside shop to do the service work, what what sort of warranty does the engine have on it? Watch this. About 72,000 miles. Right. So it's got a 72,000-mile warranty on the engine. If you use an outside shop and they're using, they continue to use the 540 because that's what you want because Volkswagen won't pour 540, and at 60,000 miles, the engine grenades... And you've done your oil changes on time every time, but you've used 540. Two things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to take an oil sample out of the crankcase, and they can tell what viscosity is. They can break down that oil to the nth degree. They can probably tell you the date and time it was manufactured. Number one. Number two, it's not five. It's not zero twenty like it's supposed to be, and it's the wrong oil. Eh, warranty's up. All right. Gotcha. If, if if the independent repair shop is using a computerized repair program, like most shops are today, they're probably telling you that it's 540 or 020 or whatever it is, and they're going to say, okay, now bring us proof of that you've done the oil changes. Let's say, for example, that it passes the viscosity test for some strange reason, or they don't test viscosity, and the only question they got is, hey, yeah, bring us all the invoices showing us that the oil was changed every five or seven or 10,000 miles, whatever crazy mileage interval they want to go. And it shows up with, you know, all 10 copies of his invoices since the car had zero miles on it. And, yep, I did it at the proper interval. But, you know, Ed, this says 540. And you were in and you saw us three years ago, and it said that we told you about the TSB regarding the switch from 540 to 020 oil. So, therefore, you voided your warranty. You know, it's... Unless, Ron, <laughs> unless I put it in myself. Right. Do I really know what they put in? No, you got to trust them. You got to hope that they do. And 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 I'm I I'm sure and they're I, using bulk oil. Well, I'm sure. You know, I'll tell you a true story. Absolute true story, Ed. This happened to me years ago. Um, I actually lost a customer over it. And I'll tell you what. Stay put. I'll tell the story when I return because it's okay. exactly about that, and it has to do with Volkswagen, and uh, it's got nothing to do with my prejudices to Volkswagen. That's a whole nother. Volkswagen's too easy to make fun of, but, you know, we'll, we'll save that for when we return. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Doctor rolling along here. So, uh, Ed, you're still there. Ed? I'm here, Ron. Okay, sir. So, here's my here's my argument for my reasons why I would keep copies of oil change receipts, and I, I encourage everybody to do so. Because, as you state, you don't know what they're putting in the vehicle when you go into the, when you go into the dealer or any repair shop. I shouldn't pick on dealers. I'm, I don't mean to. It's, you know, a, a repair shop is only as good as the individuals that are in it and are being run by and told to by management. So it doesn't matter whether it's a 20-bay dealership or a three-bay garage. It's just the way it is. Good 15, maybe 18 years ago, we had a customer with a Volkswagen. And I'll never forget this. I can still see Carol's face. The shocked look on her face when, you know, we were doing her oil changes 
and we were buying oil that met Volkswagen spec 502, 503, and 505 um, at the time. And, you know, it was, I think at the time, it was probably $118, $120. It was five or six quarts of synthetic oil and a filter and, you know, $25, $26 labor, whatever it was. And one day she ended up having to go to the dealer for a recall and she was due for an oil change. And they did the oil change. She said, yeah, it's here. Let me just do the oil change. And they did the oil change and it was 62 bucks. It was half the price. And she came back very upset. She said, how can that be? She said, how can you be, you know, such an upstanding repair shop and blah, 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 blah. And how can you be double the money? I said, gee, I don't know. I said, I don't get it. I said, you know, I just don't understand. So I called up the parts department because it happened to be where I purchased my Volkswagen parts from. And I got a hold of the parts manager that I knew very well. And he said, I can tell you how they're doing it. He said, they're not using the right oil. I... The phone almost fell out of my hand. I said, say that again? He said, yeah, we're not just using the right oil. He goes, we're using bulk oil from a, from a you know, just a, a no-name product just to pump oil in and out. And I said, but what happened to meeting Volkswagen spec? You're the dealer. He goes, yeah, but nobody ever questions it. And he said, we're, we're just pumping in conventional, non-synthetic oil where cars take synthetic and the cars last the warranty period. And then it's not our problem. And that's the mindset. Anything to do, anything to do a cheap oil change. Anything to make the customer happy. You know, somewhere along the way, somebody or somebody's has to tell somebody what it takes to operate a vehicle properly. And the hell with what it costs, in plain English. You know, we all learned right from wrong. We all learned that, you know, you, you, you don't go out and stay out late Saturday night, expect to get up for work Sunday or Monday and so on and so forth, because there's consequences. If you keep repairing a car the wrong way, there's consequences. There's there's things that go bad with it. There's things that go wrong with it. it. It's so darn important. So, you know, in the case of that Volkswagen, in the case of your Volkswagen, in the case of everybody else that's listening, you get an oil change, something as simple as an oil change. And I also still hear that statement. It's just an oil change. How hard could it be? Yeah? Come on down. Spend a day with me at the shop. I'll show you how hard an oil change could be. Um, I actually talked to my insurance company years ago, and I've mentioned this from time to time. I want to get people to come in, right? Spend a week with the car doctor, all right? I'll show you I'll show you what it takes to fix cars. You'll be my right hand. Follow me around the shop all day long. Do what I tell you to do. Friday, we're going to let you change the oil on your own car, give you a cup of really strong coffee, like we'll feed you all week long, all right? And you're going to get a T-shirt that says, I survived car doctor boot camp. I lasted the week. Um, because I don't think everybody realizes what goes into repairing a car, never mind just an oil change. But if you're getting oil changes done, as in your case and everybody else's case, make sure you get a receipt. Make sure it specs out the oil. You know, it would even be nice if it had the part number of the oil if it's being purchased from an outside source. Not that it just says Penn's oil or Castrol or something like that. What exact oil are they putting in the car? And make sure it's a good quality filter. Doesn't have to be an OE filter. Something like a Wix. A Wix filter. All right, a Wix oil filter meets and exceeds OE manufacturer specs. If it's got a Wix filter on it, you're as good as gold should you have a problem because the engine fails, and it won't be because of that filter. So oil changes are not that simple. They're really not. It's, 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 it's probably the most basic service done to the car short of putting air in the tires. And to me, it's the source of biggest risk if it's done improperly, and it's the source of biggest risk for the consumer if they're not taking safeguards to make sure that the oil change is being done right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I have a similar story with a 91 Honda. Go ahead. 
brought it to the dealer for an oil change. It specified 5W30 oil. This car goes three uh, 300 miles, takes 10 gallons of gas, 30 miles to a gallon. Got the oil changed at the dealer. Now I'm going 280 miles on the same 10 gallons of gas. The difference was the oil. The oil. The dealer put 10W30, even though it specified 5W30. I did it myself with the 5W30. I'm back after the 30 miles per gallon. Now, so you pay attention, you right. notice the, the differences. Right, you do. And you've got to ask yourself, is that a mistake or is that management because they're buying one viscosity oil and that's all they're using? Listen, I know guys in the business, you know, they'll come into the shop, they'll be dropping off a car because we do flashing for other other shops around us. We'll do computer programming and some guys walk in. And if you ever walked into the shop, the, the, the white cabin is to the left. If one of the doors is open, there's... I don't know, 14 different kinds of trans fluid, 18, eight different types of antifreezes. I mean, I, I tend to be manufacturer specific because no fluid meets every car. And they'll look at me and they'll go, how can you have all this different kind of trans fluid? Because you have to. Oh, no, just it's all the same, isn't it? I mean, this is 2019. All right, we're driving things that are, you know, the space shuttle looks simple compared to the cars people are driving. And and you're just, you're, you're treating the fluids in the car, the lifeblood of the car, like it was a 72, you know, Buick, like that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but, you know, this is what we get today. And that's, and that's why I say, you know, I think before we see electric cars and technology advance much further successfully or on a widespread scale, you've got to advance the industry. And that's part of what this radio show is about. I hope I'm helping to make inroads and making people aware. So, Ed, I appreciate the conversation today. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. You're welcome, sir. You take good care. Um, 855-560-9900. Mikey, let's pull over, take a pause. When we come back, we'll go out to Minnesota and talk to Chris about his 99 Silverado engine issues. I'm Ron Ananian. Don't go away. What's more fun than listening to Ron Ananian, the car doctor, and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to Chris in Minnesota, 99 Silverado. Chris, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Listen to your show all the time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Read you in the newspapers. Thank you, sir. What's going on? My problem is uh, a motor problem in my 99 Silverado. Okay. Uh, I've just bought it. I only own it. For about 200 miles, and the motor is shot. Um, my question is: uh, it's got 100, it's showing 124,000 miles. We're up here in the Rust Belt. It doesn't look too bad underneath. I, I think I should be able to get another 100,000 miles or 10 years out of it. All right. Um, money's always a factor, but I don't understand money spent wisely is the best way to go. Yeah. I'm wondering: should I put a used motor in it, or should I buy a reman? Uh, the remans are somewhere around. 2000 2500 I can buy a used motor for probably half or less. Um, I'm, I'm going to hire my mechanic to put it in, so there's going to be extra labor and parts and right. fluids and stuff. I, I, um, I say swing a crate motor. I really I, I really do. you got you got to think of it like this. Now, I'm sure, you know, a 99 is, let's see, 99, 2009, it's 20 years old. Uh, you know, so if we want to try and find something similar to that vintage, you know, and not play the game of what sensors are different between a 2002 and a 99 or a 97 and a 99, that kind of thing, without having to get too deep into it, 
You know, the crate motor offers, I think, the best possibilities. And I'd probably go down to the GM and just buy a crate motor out of the crate motor store. Uh, you'll get a you'll get a national warranty, all right, if you ever travel with it. Um, but more importantly, or just as important, regardless of what engine you put in it or from what manufacturer, just I would go with remanufactured. I wouldn't go with something used. Um, well, and I, I'll make an exception here. Unless you can find a good running 99 just like yours, yeah. something by some miracle you find something with low mileage that has a has a rusted out body or you know severe body damage etc but you can hear the motor run before you take it apart that was my first instinct but yeah you know i don't think you'll find it it's too old at this stage yeah but you know that being said a reman a crate motor is a great option but also just take a look at the rest of the truck you're doing an engine you've got to do a radiator you got to look at the brake and fuel lines all right they're they're, co- they're all pretty the, the High pressure fuel lines look okay, and the frame looks okay. Yeah, like I said, we're in the rust belt up here. Right. I never judge things on uh, brake lines because they're always replaceable anyway. But uh, what I'd like to know is, uh, my mechanic told me that uh, I, he, I didn't. He didn't say what company they were from, but he said that the reman motor that he put in somebody's truck, they wouldn't guarantee the gaskets, and the head gasket must have went out on, on the guys right after he put it in because it didn't run right. He tried to get recompensation for the motor and they wouldn't do anything for it until a crank broke and then they would replace it or they'd pay, give him his money back. Boy, I've never uh, heard, ever I've, heard of anything like that. No, nah, I've never heard of that. Okay. You, you know, there's only there's only one, na- well, and I'm sure there's others, there's one national engine builder that I'm familiar with that we still see from time to time. We don't see a lot of engine work uh, in the shop, truthfully. We just don't see a lot of engine work, I think, in North Jersey, I'm going to say, and maybe I'm wrong, but you know, in North Jersey, kind of come and go on, yeah. yeah, it's you know, it's it's the, the days of rebuilding engines don't exist that much here, simply because everybody's more into gee, it's a '99, that's an old vehicle here. Yeah. Um, I would fix it if I needed it. I have no fault or no problem in fixing it, but people are going to be like, I'll just go lease another. There's too much money around here. Um, that, yeah. You know, it's 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 what drove the machine shops out of business. But that's you know, really you know, Jasper. Uh, Jasper engines, you, you hear about them, you read about them. Um, there's some guys talk good, there's some guys talk bad. I will say that, yeah, they do have, they seem to have their share of warranty issues, but they do stand behind what they sell. So, you know, it's we know we're going to have a problem, but we take care of it, and that's, you know, you can't ask for more than that. Uh, you you know, so my issue would be that the labor involved in having to re-switch it. Well, right, but, and, and you know... There's, there's no way to foresee that. No, but you know what? I think, I think for example, a Jasper, Jasper will pay your mechanic to do the warranty repairs. You're saying the name of the company is Jasper? J-A-S-P-E-R, yes, sir. Is that the full name? That's the full name. If you Google Jasper, it'll come up. Okay. All That's, right? Yes. So, uh, Thank you for your information. You're very welcome. You take good care. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Let's... Uh, so anyway, let's pull over, take a pause. I'm running into the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Who's gonna drive you home tonight? Welcome back. Running into the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to Bob in Delaware. Bob, 02 Jeep Grand Cherokee. How can I help you, sir? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to say real fast, I have... This is the second Jasper engine in my Cherokee. <laughs> yeah, like I said, they're not perfect, but they do stand behind it. I give well, them that. You, you know what happened? My my engine went, right. so I got a Jasper, and I had to pay the mechanic to put it in. Okay. 
Then that engine went in about six or seven months, and they shipped a new one out to me, and that one I didn't have to pay. Right. Right. So, and it's been going ever since. Right. They do, you know, they do stand behind it. I give them that. They just, they, but then again, you know, you think about the size of, you know, a national engine builder that's still doing it. Right. Um, you know, listen, I could tell you stories about a local engine builder that's doing it at the national level right around by us. Right. Uh, a friend of mine works there and he says he's welding together and making more junk work. He used to work at another engine shop, all right, where he was the engine builder. And he says, Ron, he goes, you know, compared to what I was at the other place, I'm welding together things that we used to throw out at at, at my first shop. So, you know, guys just don't do it right anymore. It's just so at least Jasper, to their credit, stands behind it. Real quick before we run out of time, what's going on with your Jeep? My Jeep. I'll be driving the Jeep. I go to put the blinkers on. I have no blinkers. Okay. I have everything else. The horn, the the lights, the high beams. I I got everything. No blinkers. I could drive maybe 20 minutes, and all of a sudden they come on. Do they they come on solid and not blink, or they just don't come on? They just don't come on. Nothing. You, Nothing. You're aware. You're aware. There's a you know an old school flasher in this car, right? Uh, I read something about it. I read it's very hard to get at it. You, you have to take the steering column covers off. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, listen. I, I've I've had that expression. That'll be me Monday morning at eight fifteen. Oh god. Ron, do this if again. you knew what I put into this car, uh, I think you'd have a heart attack. Listen, I'll tell you what. I was thinking about. I was thinking about my 04 Suburban. Um, you know, last year I went through, we did a trans, we did fuel line, brake line, uh, water pump, radiator, AC condenser. I mean, we, and about five months later, it developed this, and I was like, huh? Only when it's cold out, only when it's less than 30 degrees. I've been chasing it for four months because I don't have a lot of time, truthfully. I haven't really driven it a lot. I've probably put 500 miles on it in four months because I don't drive it a lot. I'm driving somebody else's car you know, around Bergen County with meters and dials and switches hanging off of it, trying to dope out their car. Finally, Friday night, I told Bobby, Carpenter Bob was there closing up with me on Friday. I said, we're going to fix the Suburban tonight. I know what it is. I had changed the serpentine belt. The main serp belt made no difference, right? I took off the air conditioning belt, the little short stubby air conditioning belt. Never in a million years would I have said that was the cause of the singing. Right, right. The problem's gone. It, you know, it's just, and I think about all the money I've put in that car, and I just, but you know, it's like, it's still cheaper than a new one, and I like the car. Well, this um, is my problem. I keep saying to my wife, you know, it's either fix it or a new car is out, you know, 25, 30 grand. To, to get it, I would never buy another Jeep, right. but to get a Jeep like that, you're probably talking, it's loaded. You're probably talking fifty-five grand. Oh, absolutely! Oh, you know? absolutely! I'll tell you when you're going to get the new car. When well, when Mama says you're getting a new car, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's it. You're right. You're you know? right. Because you're the head of the family, but she's the neck. All right, brother. And if, <laughs> you're if, right. You if, got it. If, if, if you if you, you notice, think... the neck tells you which way the head to point. So that's just the way it works out. Um, you think that's what it could be? Uh, yeah, I would. So you know, steering column uh, covers. Torques or Phillips heads from underneath the cover. The kick plate up against where your knees would be against the dashboard. That'll come down. Split the covers. You may have to take the tilt and wiggle it to get it to come down a little bit to get the clamshells off. You'll see a square rectangular flasher sitting up top. 
Um, there's some procedures there to go through that you can diagnose for voltage. You can flick it if they're not working, see if it comes back to life. That flasher should only be gotten from Chrysler. I've never found one in the aftermarket that works. Let me know if you need anything else. I'm running in the car doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. 